Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Well, it is good to be with you and for us to be together in person. That's great. This morning I want to continue the look at the book of Nehemiah that we've been looking at the last couple of times I spoke uh, a number of weeks apart, but just give you a bit of a reminder of where we're at. The, the focus of this uh, message series really is about moving forward, and, and our hope is that, that as we are um, hopefully moving out of this pandemic season, that we need to think about what is coming next. And, and as you are in transition from, um, you know, in a, in a search for a new pastor, there's an idea of, of moving forward as well. And so I think there's lessons from Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, that we can learn from this. We've talked so far about forgetting what is behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. In our reality, that means not just hoping that things will will go back to the way they were or go back to some sense of, of normalcy, but, but actively seeking out what the new thing is that God might have for us, what new things God is calling us towards. So not, not forgetting that we can erase those things out of our memories, acknowledging them, but having our focus and our attention ahead, looking to what God has next. We've talked about facing the realities with, uh, and, and dreaming with courage. Thinking about what is next requires us to be courageous. It requires us to, to dream big. And as we trust God for, for what he has, he has big things for us, things that we can't do by ourselves. And that requires us to be courageous as we dream. For us, that means honestly facing the losses that we've had in the past. That as we've been in transition, there are things that have been lost. And we don't want to ignore those things. We want to acknowledge them, but not focus on those things as we look forward, look ahead. When we last left Nehemiah, Israel had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire. Jerusalem, the temple of God, the whole city had been destroyed. Nehemiah and, and a remnant of the people had been taken captive, and they'd been brought from their country into to Babylon to essentially be slaves and servants of the Babylonian people. After several decades of Babylonian rule, another empire rose up into power, the Persian Empire, and they overthrew Babylon. And, and that meant a change for Israel because the new Persian Empire, the new Persian emperor, what seemed to be a little kinder or leaning more towards Israel. And he started to allow some of those people to, to go back to Jerusalem and start to, to do some rebuilding. Nehemiah had become a cupbearer. To, to the king, King Artaxerxes. And as cupbearer, he, he brought wine and different drink to the king, but also tasted that wine before the king drank to make sure to ensure that it wasn't poisoned. It was a position of trust. And so one day in that capacity, as he's 
serving the king, he comes across some of his countrymen who had just come back from Jerusalem, and he talks to them and, and is trying to hear the news. How is the rebuilding going? How is the, the, re, uh, the, the renewal of Jerusalem coming? And he got bad news. It was a tragic news, actually, because there was opposition happening to it. The rebuilding wasn't happening the way that they would have wanted it to. The, the temple was still in ruins. The city walls were still down and destroyed. And it never really was restored as a true city. And so when Nehemiah heard this news, when he heard the, this tragic news, it put him into a place of mourning having to acknowledge that loss, having to face that loss and not knowing what to do with it. And so we see Nehemiah being crushed by that news and, and entering into this, this season of mourning for a time. But he doesn't stay in that place of mourning. He brings that place of mourning into also a place of prayer and petitioning and reminding God of his promise to Israel. And while Nehemiah is praying, we saw in chapter 1, we start to see the the, the first glimmer of a, of a plan, of a plan of action forward. And it involves Nehemiah coming to the king and asking for the king's assistance in doing that. And so that brings us to today's message. As we think about moving forward, as we think about what the next season holds for us as a church, a post-pandemic season, a, a season of, of new vision, of new leadership coming as we move towards that season, the lesson that we want to focus on today is that we need to, uh, to embrace risk. As we move forward, stepping out in faith always involves risk. It involves taking chances. And so as we do that, as we focus on that, we come to the next part of the story. And if you have your Bibles there, you can turn with me to, to Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Nehemiah 2. Verses 1 to 10. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his, in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, Long live the king. How could I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the, government, the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to, the, to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, 
I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. And so, as we move through the story, we see Nehemiah's idea not just become an idea anymore, it's actually starting to go into practice. It's starting to, to go into action. Notice before we look into the plan too closely that it says in the late autumn, it talks about the, the month of Nisan, and if you look at the Hebrew calendar, about four months had passed. So between the time where, where Nehemiah heard the news and entered into this, this place of mourning and this place of, of petitioning and prayer, to when his plan, that we just started to read today, goes into practice, took about four months. So it was a significant season of praying, of discerning, of listening to God before that plan took place. It's a reminder to us as we think about what the future looks like, as we think about moving forward, we need to spend significant time with God. We need to spend significant time asking God to, to speak to us, to hear what God is saying. We don't want to just do it on our own. We don't want to look at the situation that we're in and, and use our own wisdom to think about what is best next for us. We want to hear God's voice for where he's leading, for what is next. And so we need to spend significant time, a season of time, praying and discerning and listening, asking God to speak. After that time of, of seeking, of discernment, of praying, and still of, of mourning the loss, we see the action steps start to take place. And it leads to a real moment of risk here. Nehemiah was willing to embrace the risk. He was willing to, to take a step that could have cost him dearly. And so when the king sees Nehemiah coming into his courts to do his job, to bring his, his cup of wine in, the king notices right away that Nehemiah is, is sad. There's something wrong with Nehemiah. And it's noted that the king had, had never seen him in that kind of state before. The king had never seen him sad before. And so the king actually asked him, what, what's going on? You don't look ill. There must be a, a sickness of the heart here. And that was a genuine place of risk. The, the question that always comes to my mind, and I have no answer for this question, it's just, just a question, is was Nehemiah intentionally appearing sad before the king as part of his plan, or was he just so sad of heart and, and so, so down in heart that he couldn't hide his feelings, he couldn't disguise how he was feeling? We don't know the answer to that question, but, but in either situation, there was enormous risk in even appearing sad before the king. First of all, because of the position that he was in. He was in a position of trust. And so if there was any, any glimmer of, of Nehemiah being upset with the king or, or Nehemiah having been coerced by someone else to, to, to poison the cup, that, that trust could be broken. And so it didn't pay well to, to go into the king looking upset, looking sad, looking down. And secondly, in those days, kings were, were very fickle and had unlimited power. If they didn't like the way you looked or what you said, they could just utter discipline right away, punishment right away. 
And so whether Nehemiah was just unable to hide his sadness or whether it was part of his plan to, to see, allow the king to see him sad, we don't know. But there was risk that was there. And so when King Artaxerxes sees Nehemiah sad and, and asks him the question, we see in verse 2, this moment of risk intensifies. In Nehemiah 2, verse 2, the first four words, then I was terrified. Some translations say I was very afraid. As this, this plan began to unfold and, and the, the request of the king was about to come, there, were, there was fear that was there. And I want us not to miss the importance of that. We might think that having extraordinary faith or being a person of extraordinary faith like Nehemiah must have been or, or other people in the Bible or other people that we know here now that have great faith, we might think that that, that faith excludes them from fear. I think Nehemiah was a great person of faith and yet there was still fear. He was still terrified when it came to taking that first step to moving, to embracing that risk and moving forward. So let's not miss that. Let's not think that if we have faith, we shouldn't have fear. We will have fear as we begin to embrace risk, as we take chances, as we step out into the unknown areas. Don't mistake your having fear or, or, or having a sense of, of unsurety or anxiety about that as, as being a lack of faith. Just acknowledge that's who we are as human beings. Nehemiah didn't stop with that fear. It says he was terrified, he was very afraid. But there's an, a word that came next that was very important. And that's the word but. I was terrified, but. He was afraid, but he keeps moving. He keeps going forward. He keeps having his faith in God to, to move forward into that plan. Risk is not the absence of fear. But risk is the willingness to, to step out in faith and to trust that God is calling us to something. Risk is the willingness to embrace the fear and keep going. John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, is known for saying that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. When we have faith, we step out. And we know even in, in Hebrews, the very definition of faith is is, is not knowing the answers. It's, it's having faith and trust in what we don't see. And so as we move forward, as we prepare to take the first steps in moving forward, let's not be discouraged by a sense of anxiety or a sense of, of nervousness or a sense of fear of, of what is unknown that's ahead. But let's not let that fear stop us from taking the steps that God has. So Nehemiah was very afraid, but that didn't stop him from moving forward. The next little section is very important too. It says, he was afraid, but, and then before he, he put the next big ask out to the king, it says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. Nehemiah took the risk, but he didn't take it himself. He took it by uttering that prayer. He took it putting himself in God's hands in prayer, praying to the God of heaven. And as Nehemiah took the risk, as he stepped forward and as he prayed, then he put out an even bigger ask, an even bigger risky question 
a bigger request to the king. He took his fear to God. He bathed it in prayer before he stepped out in action. As you and I move forward into whatever is next, those are important lessons and, and principles for us to embrace too. To embrace the risk, but to bathe it in prayer and step out in faith, trusting that God is leading us. Whether we're talking about a decision that you have to make as, a, as an individual follower of Jesus or whether it's a, a decision that we have to make together as a church family and moving forward. It needs to be bathed in prayer, trusting that God is leading. Like Peter stepping out of the boat to walk on water, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because if we don't step out keeping our eyes on Jesus and just step out in our own strength, in our own faith, we will we'll sink. But as we step out in faith towards that new thing that God has for us, we can trust that he's leading. So that brings Nehemiah to the next big ask of the king. It says, then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king, how can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors is buried in ruins, are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. I wonder if those words kind of hung in the air for a time. I wonder if he waited for a response, whether there was a deafening silence as the king pondered those words. I wonder whether in that silence, Nehemiah's heart was pounding in his chest and he wondered if everybody in the, in the court could hear what was happening as Nehemiah waited to see what the king would do with that request. But we see the king being favorable towards Nehemiah. We see God answering the prayer that we saw really back in chapter 1, that as Nehemiah didn't even have a full plan in place yet, but he knew that his plan was going to involve needing the favor of the king, God answers that prayer. And he makes the king favorable to Nehemiah. And then the really big ask happens. And essentially, Nehemiah asks for three things from the king. First of all, he asks for freedom from his position so he can go and do this work. He kind of asks for a leave of absence from his position, his important position, his important of trust with the king so he could go and do this work in Jerusalem. Secondly, he asks for protection in the form of some travel documents that would ensure his, his safety from some of the neighboring nations that weren't overly friendly to Israel, but must have had some kind of allegiance or at least an, uh, an intimidation and a fear to the Persian Empire. And then thirdly, he asked for resources, loads of timber from the king's forest that he could use for the rebuilding. And that was an even bigger ask. It was not just that he was asking to go and, and go there, but he was asking the king to support it, the king to commit resources to it. This was something that wouldn't just cost Nehemiah in terms of his time and energy, it would cost the king. And each one of these steps, as we see Nehemiah embracing risk, at any one of these stages, the king could have shut this down and said no and, and punished and, and had Nehemiah executed or jailed or whatever he chose to do. Nehemiah was, was in putting himself in danger. He was risking but we see that God continues to help Nehemiah and continues to help Nehemiah have favor of the king. 
We're going to stop there in, in the story and continue on uh, next Sunday again when I speak again. But just to kind of bring home some of the, the principles, some of the truths that, that we need to think about and embrace as we think about moving forward. First is that the risk is not the absence of fear, but it's an opportunity to exercise our faith. It's a choice to exercise our faith. Let's not let fear keep us standing in the place where we're at. Let's not let our fear cause us to focus on what's in the past. But as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we keep our eyes on, on what God has ahead for us, despite our fear, we can move forward and we can begin to move into that new thing that God has. Second thing is that risk is not rooted in the absence of planning, but in the recognition of our dependency. There was a plan that Nehemiah had in place here. He was putting that plan into practice. So there's this balance between trusting in God and doing our part. We need to do our diligence. We need to do our part of the work and not just hope that God somehow, in, in our place of inactivity, that God does the work. God invites us to what he has ahead. He invites us to move into that. And so we need to do our part, do our planning, at the same time trusting in God to do his part and walking in, in his strength. And then the third thing is that risk will always involve coming down to taking a step. There's no risk if we've got our feet firmly planted in this one place. We're not taking any chances if we stay where we are. But risk begins as we begin to take those first steps forward into what it is that, that God has. We need to step out. We need to be active. But it needs to be an action at a risk that is, that is bathed in prayer, as we said, and that's covered with this season of listening. Listening to God. And stepping out because we're following where God is already leading. Let's pray. God, we're not comfortable with risk a lot of times. Risk causes us to feel afraid. It causes us to feel out of control. And God, we don't like that feeling. But we recognize that you are the one who is in control. That where you're leading, you have good things in store. God, thank you for the example of Nehemiah that we can look at it, look at how Nehemiah trusted in you, how he prayed, how he listened, and how he was willing to take those steps to risk and to, to dare to dream and then to put those dreams into action. God, increase our faith and help us to encourage each other even when we are feeling afraid or anxious or unsure of taking those first steps. God, help us to have the faith and to help us to, to build up each other's faith and encourage each other into this new thing that you have. We don't know what the future is going to look like, God. But help us not to simply pursue how things used to be. Help us to be open. Help us to be listening to what it is that you have for us going forward.
In Jesus' name, amen.